Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, your enduring, timeless word. We ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we come and learn from your word, that it would work in us, drawing us ever closer to Christ Jesus and his righteousness. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the series is called Faithful and Bold. It is about being encouraged, encouraged in our faith. And as followers of Christ Jesus, we all need to be encouraged in our faith because the race we run is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so we need that encouragement and we need to encourage other people as well. At the same time, we need more than just encouragement to be faithful and bold. We need something called discernment. So what's discernment? Discernment, dictionary definition is the ability to judge well. The ability to judge well. And all of you practice discernment. Let me give you an example I think everybody can relate to. You open up the fridge, you see some meat in there, and you think, how long has that been in there? Is it safe to eat? And so what do you do? You open it up and smell it. It's the sniff test, right? That's part of the discernment. And if it smells, uh, you know, maybe okay, then you might take a little bit of a taste. But you use discernment and you might have to throw it away because you don't want to get sick or even die, right? So you use discernment all the time. We are to have spiritual discernment as well. We are to judge Well, see, as followers of Christ Jesus, we need to be able to judge what is true and false, what is good and right and will lead to life, and what is evil and wrong and will lead to death. So we are to discern, we are to judge. This is different than being judgmental, but we are to have discernment. Scripture is full of that. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, also in our series from 1 John, we covered this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we need to be spiritually discerning, right? But in this day and age where anything goes, any sense of spiritual discernment of saying what is right and wrong, what is true or false, gets you in a lot of hot water, doesn't it? And we live in such an age that the greatest danger is not from without side the church. The greatest danger is within side the church. Now, are there people outside the church in the world literally, literally knocking down churches, but knocking down the foundations, banging on the walls of the church, right? But you know what? There are many more people inside false teachers who are literally knocking the foundations out from inside the church. So the greatest danger is not from without, 
it is from within. So today, we've got basically two parts in this message. The first part is the danger from within. And then what can we do then to combat that, to stand strong, to be discerning, to ultimately build up the body, right? Encourage one another so that we are faithful and bold. So we're going to take a look first at the danger from within. And as a reminder, there are sermon notes if you want sermon notes. The first part, the danger within. But understand this, that in the last days, there will be times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. It's quite the paragraph there, isn't it? You see, at the end of chapter 2 last week, Paul writes to Timothy uh, about being a pastor. And he says, as a servant of the Lord, he says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. I mean, he makes it sound kind of easy, doesn't it? It's like, but then, wham, chapter 3. He's basically saying, it's going to be a rough ride, Timothy, so buckle up. So we are going to buckle up a little bit, just as Paul tells Timothy. Let's take a look at this. He says, first of all, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. With everything going on in the world, I bet you know someone who's asked you, or you might have asked somebody else, are these the last days? I mean, it certainly seems, I mean, people ask me, and is Jesus coming? Is it imminent? I don't know, because I don't know the hour or the day. I can tell you, however, we are in the last days. How can I say that? Because the last days actually are from his ascension to when he returns. So this whole period that we're in are the last days. So you can say that we are in the last days, and the prophecies about the last days seem to be pretty true, don't they? Not only in Paul's day, but ours as well. And one of the greatest difficulties that Jesus talked about were false prophets, false teachers. Matthew chapter 24 And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So Paul is simply echoing what Jesus is talking about. And when we talk about false teachers, I'm not talking just about pastors in the church. It could be anybody who, who, who writes a book, who has a blog post on social media. It could be somebody who speaks a lot at conferences. I mean, I see a lot of things on Facebook that just make me cringe about what they are teaching and preaching. 
Now, that list that he gave, uh, it was a big list, wasn't it? I counted 18 attributes of false teachers, and that list isn't even exhaustive. I mean, you could go on. Now, we are not going to go one by one through all 18. If we did that, first of all, it would be really depressing. It would just be like too much for us to bear and take in. So what I'm going to do is show you the bookends. And I think showing you the bookends will actually clarify quite a bit. So what's, what are the bookends? People will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. See, when you understand that, all of those other attributes in there fall in there because they are lovers of their self rather than lovers of God. And that is our day and age, especially our day and age is about self-love. In fact, we live in an age of narcissism. Narcissism is that inward focus just on myself to the expense of everybody else. And you can see the pictures that I have up there. It, they are selfies, right? That really encapsulates our day and age. It is selfies everywhere. When I went on vacation, I took pictures of the things I was looking at, not me. Are you aware that some people have even died in the pursuit of taking selfies? They go by the cliff or whatever because it's that self-love that ultimately kills them and they just don't realize it. How far have we gone as a society? Oh, there are so many examples that I could give. It was just, I'm just going to narrow it down to two. The first is I ended up watching a, a video interview of a guy who calls himself the Dragon Lady. Now, this man... Uh, has basically transformed himself to look like a dragon or I would say a snake, quite frankly. He's bald. He has tattoos everywhere, like scales on his face. He has two surgically implanted bumps on his head. He has split his tongue into two. He has two long fangs like a snake and four other teeth. He has all of his other teeth pulled in his mouth. Just those six teeth. I don't even know if they're all real. And I say he calls himself the dragon lady because he is a man who is going under the process procedure to be surgically made into a woman. Now, that's pretty bad, right? But what he said during the interview was amazing, and it just slipped by really fast. You know how some people say uh, callously and, and really blasphemously, oh my God? At one point he said, oh my Lucifer. Now, doesn't pass the sniff test, does it? You would avoid that person. So you might think that's such an extreme example, but what's happened inside the church? Let me give you another example. So, on September 12th of this month, September 12th, 
The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA, installed its first openly transgender bishop in a service held in San Francisco's Grace Cathedral. Grace Cathedral. The, and it's hard for me to say this, the Reverend Megan Rohrer, who will lead one of the church's 65 synods overseeing nearly 200 congregations in Northern California and Northern Nevada. This is what he said. My call is to be the same messy, my call is to be up to the same messy loving things I was up to before. But mostly, if you let me, and I think you will, my hope is to love you and beyond that, to love what you love. That's the call of a bishop. So where was Jesus in this call? Where was the gospel in this call? Nowhere. Where was sin and repentance? Nowhere. Not whatsoever. And there is no discernment. Now on the outside, it may have the trappings of religion, But there is no godliness there. There is no power of God there. I mean, these people deny the exodus, reject the reality of the virgin birth, reject the reality of sin, unless it's for social justice or climate or something like that. They reject the actual atonement of Jesus Christ, and they reject the power of God. They reject the gospel itself. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. But how did that happen? How did that happen? Very simply, they replaced the love of God for the love of self. They have become their own God. And it also happened because there was no discernment within the body of Christ within those congregations. People went along with it. Do you know why? Well, the leader seems nice. I might as well follow them because they're nice. That's the only discernment that actually happens. Now, it happens today, but Paul was talking about how it happened a long time ago as well. So he goes on about these false teachers. He says, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, we're going to talk about this in a certain way and kind of work our way through. We're going to talk first about scams. Scams prey on our desire, our fears, and our ignorance. I get scam texts, emails, phone calls, at least one every single day. And they are more and more devious. I get one that says AT&T, free message text. Hey, uh, and it just got this yesterday. Sorry about that outage on September 13th. Here's something... uh, to say thank you. And, you know, don't ever click on those because it, I don't know where they go, but it's not going to be good. And if anybody ever calls you and says they are an officer of the IRS, and they're, you, you've got that one? 
you can do one of two things. Either hang up right away or take time and share the gospel with them because they really, really need it. So scams, right, are for both men and women. At the same time, there are some specific scams that target women. And in particular, I think of widows. And I know widows especially get targeted, especially on Facebook dating sites. I know one woman who still lives back in Minnesota. Boy, her husband died. She wanted to start dating again. And every single time, somebody said it was started off so wonderful, they ingratiate themselves. And then they ask for some money. Maybe not much in the beginning, but they continue to ask for money. It's heartbreaking. So do you get how scams also prey upon things? False teachers do the same thing. Now, in Paul's day, there was a practice of wandering so-called religious men who would ingratiate themselves with certain women. And these women would then fund those men. One commentator, Paul Kretzman, says this. He pictures them as smooth, slick-talking religious agents with ingratiating, clinging methods, insidiously introducing themselves, often as fatherly confessors, brothers with a high-grade spirituality and great sanctity, actually taking some woman captive in body and soul. Women are their special prey. So these false teachers were praying, especially on women within Ephesus and certain women. And these women, and I think they re- represent more than just women, I think they represent the larger body, were not discerning. They would simply dabble in their faith. People who like to have spiritual conversations, but really there's not much substance to it at all. There's really no, none of God's word. I want you to listen again to the words of that so-called bishop. My call is to be up to the same messy, loving things I was up to before. But mostly, if you'll let me, and I think you will, my hope is to love you and beyond that, to love what you love. Tell me, does anybody actually understand what that means? I don't. I've read it multiple times. It's literally a word salad where you just toss stuff in there and it sounds good. I mean, this person mentioned love quite a bit, right? And they seem to be nice, so isn't that good enough? Let's go back to what Paul said. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, what are you to do? Avoid such people. Okay, there's a whole lot more we could go into. That's the danger from within. How can you now combat that danger? The first thing you need to do is follow Bible-based, Christ-centered men and women. Verse 10 and 11. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. So when you were growing up, just just out of curiosity, when you were growing up, 
Did your parents try to influence what friends you had? You know, they, 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 they kind of press you to go a little bit more towards those friends and away from other friends? And maybe you've done the same thing if you have children too. You've said, you know, mm, right? Why is that? Because the company you keep, you know this, the company you keep influences what you believe, what you think, what you do. The company you keep influences what you believe, what you think, and what you do. There's a quote, an old quote, show me your friends and I will tell you who you are. But we can actually just go back to God's word. In Proverbs 13, verses 20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So you got to watch out what company you have, right? But it goes even more than that. You have to watch out what teachers you have as well. There's a huge and very appropriate blow-up in our country right now about what teachers are teaching our children. There's a lot of discernment, and more and more are seeing what's happened within the educational system. And it's disgusting. But we need to have that same understanding with the people that we learn from, who are our teachers, the people that we follow. You have to be discerning about the men and women you follow or imitate in your Christian walk of faith. So the question is, who do you follow? And are you discerning? I mean, Look, there's a number of people who have greatly influenced me over the years. People that I have sat under their teaching. First is my pastor, Tom Parrish. He's still my pastor. He is one of the most encouraging people in spiritual walk of faith that I know. And any encouragement that I've been given, it's because I am learning from him. He was also the one who really said there's got to be application you got to not only hear the word, you got to do something with it. So I have taken that. And, you know, whether you like that or not, I have followed him in his path. There's another fellow, R.C. Sproul, one of the best theologians in our modern era. He passed away a few years ago. But he was brilliant in his Bible of knowledge, of theology, of philosophy, of world events, of history. And he had the ability to take all of that and boil it down so people could understand it. But he was passionate about the gospel. He would not budge an inch on the gospel. So I've learned from him, and I still listen to his podcasts, you know, because they still play out there. So I listen to him quite a bit. Another man that I've been influenced by is John MacArthur, Grace Church in California. Grace to you, church. And um, i he's an expositor extraordinaire. I mean, I've done large sections here in chapter 3 and actually through Timothy. He goes verse by verse, word by word. 
and really gets into it. And I appreciate his stance on that. And I appreciate his knowledge on that. I quote him uh, a number of times throughout the year. There's also, if you want to go back, Charles Spurgeon. He was called the Prince of Preachers. He had the passion and the eloquence uh, of preaching... um, that you really don't even see nowadays. And then you could go back even to further. You could go back to Martin Luther and John Calvin. All of these men, I stand upon their shoulders. I learn from them. Does it mean, does it mean I agree with everything that they have said? No, it doesn't. Does it mean I think they are incapable of human error and mistakes? No, they are sinners saved by grace, nonetheless, but I have learned from them. I study them. Who are you studying? And I know in part, it's me, right? So I take that as a great responsibility to do what I can, but increase the ability, increase the people, the godly men and women that you are learning from. So Paul is telling Timothy, follow my conduct. Follow my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, even when it gets rough. And Timothy, it's going to get rough. He says this, chapter, uh, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, Deceiving and being deceived. Listen, ultimately we know that those evil people, they might not get it in this life, but we know that God will judge them appropriately. But you, you have a choice this day of whom you will follow. What did Joshua say? Joshua said this, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Timothy says, Paul says, Timothy, you have a choice. And as for you, you are to do this. This is what you must do. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Continue on and continue keeping Continuing on. That didn't come out very well, but you get the sense of it, right? Keep on keeping on. Pursue the faith. Pursue his righteousness. That is what we are to do. And when you do that, it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is what you are to do. This is what you are to pursue. So what does it mean to be wise for salvation? It means that you know who Jesus is as Lord 
and Savior. It means that you know of the great love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. It means that you know of the great love that Christ has for you and gave himself up for you. It means God loves you greatly. And in response, you follow him and do what is right. You know, I had a father one time who told me he really didn't know what love was until his son was born. And then, all of a sudden, there was a love that he had that wasn't there before. It's the same being in Christ Jesus when you are born again, when you have faith in him and are following him. There's a love that you didn't know you had before. And because of that love, you want to follow him and do things according to his righteousness. Because you are then trained up through his righteousness. Paul's saying, pursue that. Do that, Timothy. And he says this. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Two things in there. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All. Plenary. That's the word. It simply means complete in every respect. Absolute. There is nothing missing. And breathed out by God. Some translations will say inspired by God. The better literal translation is breathed out by God. So God actually speaking these words. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words, my words in your mouth. Listen, Jesus and the apostles all believed that the Old Testament was God's word. It's estimated that at least 10%, roughly 295 quotations of the New Testament texts refer to the Old Testament. And when Jesus combated the greatest liar of them all, what did he use? God's word. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. You want to stand strong? You want to stand firm? You want to be discerning? You got to study God's word. Not just as an intellectual exercise, but one points you to the salvation, to the love that God has for you. That's what we do. And then when we do that, you and I, oh, we stand firm. We can be both faithful and bold. So for you this morning, actually, that's a good point. I'm not going to skip it. All right. The more you are taught by his word, the more you are corrected and trained up in righteousness, the more you will be used by and for his service. Okay, so the first step, be discerning. You know, 
regarding preachers, teachers, churches, books, movies that you partake. Be discerning and use a theological sniff test. And the only way you can increase your sniff testability is by knowing his word. And the second is continue on in your study and learning of Scripture to be wise in salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you for the love you have for us in Christ Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, continue to uplift us, guide us, giving your wisdom through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 